Well, you're now listening to another installment of the Jude 3 Project podcast. I'm your host, as always, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jude 3 Project, and today I'm joined by my mentor and fellow Jude 3 Project contender, Dr. Van Gaten. Um, Welcome, Dr. Van Gaten. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having me today. Um, For those who are listening who don't know um, who you are, give us a little bit about your educational background and just who you are as far as apologetics goes. Okay. Well, um, educationally, all my degrees are in religion, um, a couple of masters, a bachelor's degree, and uh, three doctorates. We just finished one. And uh, my concern for apologetics is that I was the principal of a private Christian high school, and I taught apologetics to Christian kids getting ready to go to college. And we realized that in going to college, they had never heard of the philosophers, the worldviews. So our goal was to prepare them to for critical thinking as Christians going into secular universities, hence the subject of apologetics, which I deeply love. And the church has always had apologists to defend the faith to the world, uh, a rational defense. So it, it is a love of mine as well as yours, Lisa. So uh, I'm excited about it. Okay, so as you are have been listening, for our listeners, you've been listening, and you know we're on a series of theodicy and hip-hop, and we use hip-hop as a basis to wrestle with the problem of evil, why uh, all-loving, all-knowing, and all-powerful God allows evil in the world. And one of the takeaways, one of the uh, questions we presented in the first one was um, Jay-Z's The Lost One and how he talks about his nephew who died and how that caused him to question some things. And the second one, we talked about the problem with the problem of evil and how in order to really um, say that there's uh, evil in the world, one has to believe in the absolute truth or else there's going to, it's going to be problematic. Um, And the third installment, we talked about um, the greater good solution, the Christian responses to the problem of evil this week, we're going to be talking about the free will response to the problem of evil. Christians have a variety of, way, variety of ways of dealing with the problem. Once we agree that there's absolute truth that's rooted in the scripture, there's a variety of ways to look at, the, look at scripture and solve this problem. And like, like I said, one of the ways which um, Cam talked about last week was the greater good response. This week, Dr. Gaten is going to talk about the free will response but before we get started the song we're going to use this week is drake um on his latest mixtape um he has a song that he wrote to his mama called you and the six and he's basically having this conversation with his mom and i'm gonna play a little bit of the clip for you he made mistakes throughout his life that he still doesn't accept. But he just want our forgiveness. If look how we're living. I'm content with this story. Who are we not to forgive him? At least I've been to a prison. At least I know what it's like. I used to rap on the phone with one of his friends doing life. And now I got me a Grammy. That could be part of the reason. Let's just call it evil. We got some things to believe in. So in this song he writes, it's called You and the Six. He talks about having the conversation with his mom and his mom, he's he's saying he's made peace with his dad and the mistakes he's made, but he's challenging his mom to do the same. And he says um, in the lyrics, um, 
I'm content with this story. Who are we not to forgive him? At least I've been to a prison. At least I know what it's like. I used to rap on the phone with one of his friends doing life. And now I got me a Grammy. That could be part of the reason. Let's just call this even. We got some things to believe in. So he's talking about the, his dad's mistakes and how his dad makes bad choices. But at the same time, he's now in a position where he wants to be and he says well now i got a grammy so let's just call it even and so mm. there's some good in his um in his mind from what his dad did and so that's how he reconciles it and he's trying to have his mom reconcile it as well and so in this world full of evil in this world that we face there's obviously like Ken was saying last week, a greater good that comes from the evil that we experience. However, the problem is with the greater good response, the pushback is that it makes God responsible for evil. And so the free will response is kind of a response to that innocence. Would you agree, Dr. Gaten? I would. In fact, I think it's the only response that we have that is biblically sound. So would you like me to elaborate here? Yes, sir. Okay. So free will. <clears throat> so the question uh, in a syllogism is that, you know, God claims to be all-powerful and all-loving. And if there was such an all-powerful, all-loving God, as David Hume said, then he would eradicate evil. But er evil is not eradicated, so there cannot be an all-good and all-powerful, loving God. And that was his syllogism, um, a logical conclusion, except one of the premises is not accurate. And the premise that I would uh, adjust is that evil is not destroyed yet. And so if we go back to the gospel and find out, well, how did evil come into the world? Well, the, the, the sound biblical approach is that it is the fact that God is the creator. And we must understand that he didn't create this world out of a personal need. He had no need. He wasn't needy. Uh, he wasn't lonely because it's a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so he's not lonely. But out of his own uh, opulent benignity that he decided to share his, share with other creatures who he was and form a relationship. So it is totally out of his generosity that he decided to create the world. Now, in order for real relationships to exist, as we all know, then those relationships must be voluntary. So God's gift to humanity was Adam and Eve being the first people. He put him in the garden, gave him a paradise, told him that it would only get better as they stayed related to him, and gave him one prohibition. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Here's where the, the contest begins, the trial begins of the free will of man. And we know the story, those of us who have read the Bible, uh, that uh, they chose to partake. And then we face what's called the fall. So the free will of man became a bound free will, if it were, because of sin. But so some people would argue, why would God create a world if he knew that Adam and Eve were going to fall? Well, I do believe that there is a greater good point here because God deemed that the love relationship that would be established between 
God and his creation is greater than the evil that of those who would not choose to follow him, to to disobey him, to walk away from him. But that ability to be able to say no, to choose right, to choose wrong, is what legitimizes the whole value of free will. Now, through through Newton's law of uh, motion, uh, most people believe that we live in a very causally determined, necessary world. So determinism. And uh, they use Newton's law of motion to justify that. But there's a difference between free will and what we call maximal autonomy. And I think that uh, those who are against free will are really trying to say maximal autonomy is what disturbs them. And so we must consider that if, if we look at it scientifically, quantum physics has uh, most recently uh, provided evidence for the free will. And, uh, and so that's a whole other area that we could consider. But even from the word of God, we see throughout scripture, God giving humans choices. You can obey, you can disobey. Come, let us reason together. Not only Adam and Eve, but even in God setting up the nation of Israel, he gave them commandments. But he made it clear, if you disobey, which means you have a will in this, then um, you can disobey me. But the, the point is, is that free will is essential if you're going to have a love relationship. I've been married to my wife for 44 years. And what makes it dynamic is that we both voluntarily choose to love each other and grow in that relationship versus being autonomous, where if I if God made us and we had to worship him, then we're no more than robots. Now, <clears throat> so so free will is a, an important. Now, some people would say, well, that diminishes the sovereignty of God. I think it justifies the sovereignty of God, that God is so sovereign that he can allow us to have free will and it not disturb his sovereignty. It's out of his, he chooses, it's called self-limitation, that God says, I'm going to give you the right to say yes or no. But notice who gives that ability. Notice who gives that right, the sovereign one. And every time man disobeys God, it does not diminish his sovereignty. It simply proves it because what God gave Adam and Eve and what he gave humanity is the right to say yes or no. So when we say no, we are proving God's sovereignty because he gave us that right to make that kind of choice. So it just establishes um, his sovereignty for sure. The problem is is that when when humans make bad choices since the fall, which affected man's intellect, it affected man's emotions, it affected man's relationships, not only with God, but now we're self-alienated. We don't understand ourselves. And if I don't understand myself, I certainly don't understand other people. And so sin, evil, social injustices all came into the world because Adam and Eve made the wrong choice. But on a daily basis, we show that we are like Adam and Eve because every day humans on earth, all of us, when we make wrong choices, there are consequences for those wrong choices. And that's the one thing God made clear. If you disobey, it will cost you. And yet we choose to disobey. So there's a moral evil that came into the world because of sin, and then there are natural evils that came into the world, like hurricanes and floods and 
things like this. Now, why someone would live at the base of a volcano today, I don't know. <laughs> you know, New Orleans is below sea level, yet people still live there knowing that any any moment something could go wrong. And so natural evil is one thing, but moral evil. So to blame God uh, for uh, the evil is in the world is totally wrong. Uh, to blame man's wrong choices is where the the blame actually lies. But the good news is, is that God of his own free will sent his son into the world who chose to obey his father and pay a price so that we could be redeemed back. So out of our bad choices, something good has happened on planet Earth. It's called uh, the person of Jesus Christ and the gospel. So when we turn to him, uh, God can turn our life around and make good come out of the fact that we were sinful. That's the miracle working power of God. So when God visits us by his spirit and we hear the gospel, every human has to make another choice. Now, do I continue in my ways, which are self-destructive, which hurt people and harm people, or do I surrender my life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and that he might give me the life that he meant for me. So this is a matter of owning up to our creator, the one who made us. So in our neighborhoods, as the rapper said, you know, he was in jail, his dad made mistakes. Those are all personal moral choices. And if we're going to have a moral universe, which Christianity does espouse, and we're going to have a sense of morality, then there has to be a right and wrong. And we've got to own what we do. That's part of a problem is that we cannot blame God for a sinful world. We can blame, we can, we can blame ourselves for that. We can blame the devil for that and fallen angels. But God is the one who created it. And when he made everything, it was good. He made everything good. In fact, the Bible says in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, that when he made mankind, male and female, it was very good. So God's choice for us was life and paradise and, and good things. Our choice for ourselves was to disobey and to go our own way. So in our neighborhoods today, uh, the fact that we're shooting down each other, selling drugs to each other, uh, prostituting, uh, human trafficking, the, none of those actions are God. They are humans that are doing this, and we need to own it and then surrender to God and allow him to set us free. But if we do not have free will, then... And, and we, we cannot really make choices on our own if, if the universe is a deterministic kind of world and that God is responsible for every thought and event and action. He, he decides this. If he does, then, then evil is laid at his doorstep. Then he not only is responsible for the sin, he becomes the author of it if everything is deterministic. And, uh, that's the trouble that I have with that side, uh, a deterministic kind of uh, a view. I believe that free will, but what I'm opposed to is a free will that's called maximal autonomy, which means the answer to no one. So in the scheme of God, even since I committed my life to Christ, he has not taken away my free will. He has liberated my free will from bondage and then sanctified my free will so that my greater desire is always to choose God. And, and another very important point here is that since the fall and then the coming of the Lord, we live in what scholars call the conflict of the ages. Life is paradoxical. Good and bad 
going on at the same time. So even for the Christian, we get up in one day and you can get good news and you can get bad news. But the greater hope is that because of Christ, because of his shed blood, because he surrendered to the will of the Father, not my will but thine be done, and that's the key for us, not mine but thy will be done, salvation has come to all of humanity. And the good news is we persevere through this paradoxical life where good and evil take place in the same day. But for the Christian, we have the hope that there is still a world to come, that God will give us grace to overcome in this world. Every tragic event that happens in this life, God can make good come out of it because we're rightly related to him. But we also have an eschatological hope, last day hope, that one day he's coming again. He's going to Make a new heaven and the new earth and remove all unrighteousness, all evil. And because we, he has risen from the dead as we celebrate in this season, his death and resurrection, we have this hope. Therefore, we labor. We continue to labor in this life. And even when certain events happen to us as believers and we don't understand it, we still have this conviction and hope because of what God promises. He has never broken his word and he never will. Amen. I think it's important, um, even with the free will argument, that we um, understand that what what those who affirm the free will um, defense are suggesting is that love is love, uh, genuine love is not possible without free will. Absolutely. Um, and there are some scriptures that kind of push back on this when. Um, you know, in Proverbs, it says man, you know, has its own way, but God determines it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems to give credence to this determinism ideology that, you know, we, in a sense, kind of we're puppets on the string and that, you know, God has already um, laid out all of our moves. Um, mm-hmm. This uh, when in Romans, when it says um, before um, Jacob and Esau was born, um Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated. Mm-hmm. And so there are scriptures that kind of push back on how much of our will is um, predetermined by God right. and then a choice we made. But it's also in the confines because we don't there are some things we don't choose. We don't choose our race. Right. We don't choose our um, whether we're male or female. So those things limit the choices we can make. So when you're born, you're already limited. Yes, um, because either you're male or female, your, your your ethnicity or what family you were born into, mm-hmm. those already kind of, in a sense, predetermine the moves you're going to make. Yes. But it, it seems like God in the free will argument, God places you in a in a level of restriction and gives you free will in that restriction. Yes. So, yes. Is that what you would think you're saying? Like I, if I put a kid in a in a playground. There's things in the playground he could choose to do, but he can't go out the parameters of that playground. And that's what God has done for us when we say free will, for sure. And just back to Romans where it says, you know, before Jacob or Esau did right or wrong, you know, God made a choice. Uh, If we look at and this is where, you know, you you have to exegete and understand the text. And in that argument, it's not about the destiny of all humanity. It's it's the second born being chosen over the first born, which was the Jewish way. And the lineage was passed through the first born, the inheritance, the family line. And in context, God was saying, I'm choosing the second instead of the first. But he's talking to a to a, to specific people. 
And you can't take that text and then blow it out and make it universal when it's, it's not applicable to the rest of the world. But God can choose who he does. But remember, uh, God's sovereignty is called self-limitation. He, he draws back and gives us a little room so that we truly can have a genuine, authentic free will that can choose to love or hate. And his goal is that we would choose to love him. But at the same time, there's nothing that mankind will ever do that God uh, doesn't already know. That's his foreknowledge. And that's a whole nother subject. But uh, it's not like you can pull the wool on God. But God's will will ultimately prevail. Uh, and that doesn't mean every individual will participate in that. But even the ones who don't will still uh, God will use it to bring to pass like he did with Pharaoh uh, to bring Israel out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And I know a pushback on this is uh, is are we like you said, the sovereignty aspect. Um, are we limiting God's sovereignty? But like you said, this kind of makes this argument argues that it makes makes room for God's sovereignty. Yes. And he can do whatever. Right. Whatever he pleases. And I I know one of the pushbacks will. Well, why even in the greater good or the free will defense? Why would God choose to do it that way? And I and I I heard an apologist say this yesterday even if God chose to do it another way, we would still complain about that way. Yeah, it doesn't matter which way he does it. Mm-hmm. No matter we, which way he does it, we're still going to have a complaint. And yes. I think that Jesus demonstrates, too, on the cross um, how to really deal with evil because in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's wrestling with the evil that's about to come upon him. And he asks, is it another way? He, God doesn't answer him, but he just submits to his sovereignty. Absolutely. And I think that as individuals, when we're dealing with the problem of evil, wondering, okay, why did God have to use this evil? You know, you know, you haven't been more evil hasn't been done to you than Jesus on the cross. Right. And right. So when you realize that, you say if Jesus could submit to the sovereignty of God and he is equal with God um, in the Trinity. Yes then who am I to not, I can question, but after my question, I must still submit. Yes. The fact that evil exists and I have to suffer evil. Yes. And let's not forget from back to the syllogism is that uh, the argument that David Hume is that evil is still here. Uh, It has not been eradicated yet. And in God's sovereignty, he has a moment in history when this will all come to an end. Not only individuals come to an end, but the history of planet Earth will come to an end. So just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean that it won't happen. And then secondarily, every time someone is one to the Lord, uh, evil is defeated. So we have individual, we have multiple millions of people on planet Earth that are being one to the Lord. And uh, and then we have an ultimate day when evil will cease. So David Hume should have added evil is not eradicated yet. Amen. I agree. Yes. Well, thank you, Dr. Gayton, for being with us today. Well, thank you. And I hope you'll have me back again. And I I really celebrate the work that you're doing to help uh, Christians to think critically. Thank you. And as always, you can catch all our past episodes on iTunes. You can subscribe to us by searching on iTunes Jude 3 Podcast. Um, you can go to our website as well at www.jude3project.com. 
Follow us on Twitter at Jude3Project, on Instagram at Jude3Project, and on Facebook.com backslash Jude3Project. And see you again next week as we deal with how, as we talk about how process theologians try to wrestle with the problem of evil.